We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rippy writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up on a Thursday night? Little early release action. I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. You know what we're going to talk about today. It is Colin and I's super regional preview. We got into pitching matchups. Uh, actually, Southern Southern Misses rotation. We recorded this on a Wednesday night. Southern Misses rotation broke. Uh, mid-pod, so a little bit of news there. Got into all of that. Um, old Mrs. Chances in the regional side of Mrs. Bullpen. This is a team built around just pitching. All kinds of different stuff. This is probably the – actually, I won't say it's the greatest super regional preview of all time, but I throw it on the Mount Rushmore without knowing any of the other candidates. Anyway, buckle up. Should be a fun show. Before we get to that, though, I want to remind you, the podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix Rental and Events Modeling Mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Need to check these guys out. They had another profitable weekend in NASCAR over the weekend. They've got some NBA final stuff on the site. Uh, get geared up for football season. Maybe increase your bankroll a little bit. Let Skybox make you some money throughout the summer before we hit football season in full swing. They're going to make you money more consistently than your own brain. You don't want the bookie texting you on Sunday night, Monday morning, asking you to square up. You want to be texting him, asking where your supplementary income is coming from. Skybox is going to do that for you more consistently than anyone else. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Go find the picks package. You can do month-long, week-long, season-long. I recommend just going all sports all year long, the all-access pass. It's going to pay for itself and then some because we're doing business with Skybox is an investment that always cashes. Use the promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E, and that'll get you 20% off any purchase. We'll also let them know we sent you. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. Go see Greg. If you're Rippy Wright subscriber to rippywrights.substack.com, type in your email. Get a free newsletter from me a couple times a week and discounted meats. Right now it's a 16-ounce prime strip for 20 bucks and a five prime strip, not shrimp. That would be a different sponsor. Prime, prime strip, can't talk today, and a $5 pack of sausage. That's one hell of a way to kickstart your weekend. Go in there, show and proof of subscription. It'll get you set up and then find your own favorites. Oxford's so lucky to have a place like LB's. It is absolutely the best place in Mississippi to get meat and the world for that matter. Uh, all kinds of delicious cuts, fresh seafood. I like the filet burgers, tri-tip, all kinds of great stuff there. Go find your own favorites. If they don't have it, Greg will get it for you. He wants to make your grilling experience great. We've got 4th of July coming up. Uh, it's prime grilling season. Let Greg take your grilling experience to the next level. Check them out, LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. All right, here is Colin Brister as the Rebels now sit two wins away from the College World Series. 
All right, we now welcome on Rippy Wright's baseball correspondent, Colin Brister. This is our 2022 Hattiesburg Super Regional Preview. The Ole Miss Rebels are two wins away from the College World Series, and what stands in their way is the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. I got to say, in a strange way, this whole Southern Miss thing, Ole Miss playing Southern Miss in a Super Regional, is kind of the perfect, weird, unpredictable end to this season, um, or at least kind of culmination of this season, whether they make it to Omaha or not. I'm not necessarily saying the season ends this weekend. I just kind of find it funny because, like, how many times have we been wrong about this team this season? So many things haven't made so made sense. I knew Southern Miss was going to be good and was good, but I figured if Ole Miss, you know, kind of faded weekly as a two or three seed, they might be in Southern's regional. It's just kind of hilarious that it is now Ole Miss versus Southern in a super in Hattiesburg um, to get to Omaha. Southern Miss would be the second time ever, first since 2009. And, uh, I mean, you know the deal with Ole Miss. They just really need to get there. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny how it works out. I, I, you know, it's kind of a path of horrors. You beat, you beat Arizona, um, in game one in the regional that to, to put you out last year. And then you beat, um, Miami who, who, you know, gave you the super regional loss and eliminated you, eliminated you in 08 and 06. And then, uh, you eliminated an Arizona team that eliminated you last year. Um, yeah, and now you go to Southern Miss and you avoided going to Baton Rouge, which um, the more I look into this, I'm, I'm pretty thankful that, look, Southern Miss can certainly win this uh, Super Regional and win it in two games. They're a very, very talented and, and good good and well-coached baseball team. Um, but I'm thankful Ole Miss is not loading the buses and going to Baton Rouge this weekend, if I'm honest. Okay, that's interesting. Why are you uh, – I think that's a good way to kick this off because we somewhat debated that for the last week – I talked about it with Chase a little bit. We discussed it on this show. Why are, uh, why are you thankful for that outside of the lore that is LSU? Like, is it just the Alex Box Stadium in general? Well, because yes. From, from, yes. I'll make the case from a pitching standpoint, Southern Miss will be the best rotation Ole Miss has seen outside of Tennessee. One of the better bullpens. That's just impossible to grade because we don't know how Southern Miss uses some of these guys. And we don't really – it's hard to compare it to SEC bullpens without knowing the minutia of every single team. But you got two guys that throw really hard, another guy that's going to be low 90s, and they're a really damn good rotation where Ole Miss feasted on LSU's rotation. And while LSU's bullpen's kind of stayed yeah. last month of the year, Ole Miss didn't have much trouble with them. And so that would be my case, too. I'd actually, from a team standpoint, rather see LSU. What is your case to the contrary? So, so, so if we're talking about um, – let let's put it this way. If the series was going to be in Oxford, I would rather face LSU. If, if, if that makes sense. Um, I just don't think you're going to win many super regionals in Alex Box Stadium. I just don't. I, I think it's really hard to play there in June, and I get it. I did it at the 1st of May, but I saw that story three years ago when you go to Fayetteville and then you win the series, and it's a different story um, when you go down there for a super. Um, I don't think it's good for Ole Miss um, because I think, I think it'd be hard to argue that LSU doesn't have a better lineup than Ole Miss, and I think it would not play into Ole Miss's hand well that LSU had already seen Hunter Elliott, had already seen Dylan DeLucia, um, and had already seen, you know, Brandon Johnson and Josh Mallets. I don't think that would have been in Ole Miss's best interest. Um, whereas, you know, Southern has seen Brandon Johnson. They have seen Josh Mallets. They have not seen Dylan DeLucia. They have not seen Hunter Elliott. Um, and I think that I think that bodes well for Ole Miss. Look, I mean, it, it's it's – you know, it, it's about equal as far as the teams. 
but if you I mean, it's two things. One, and this is sound, it's means it, this kind of sounds elitist and then I don't intend for it to, but if it's like, Hey, do you want to play the SEC team to go to the college world series? Or would you rather play the CUSA team? I'll take the CUSA team. And that's no offense to Southern Miss. I'm readily aware that Ole Miss can lose the super regional twice if they don't play well, or hell, even if they play well, they can lose the super regional in two games. Um, Cause Southern Miss is that good of a team, but I just, if you're going to offer me one, I'm going to take the, the, the CUSA team. Um, and two, just Alex Box Stadium, man. I saw Mississippi State lead a, lead a Super Regional game one, three to nothing um, in the bottom of the eighth inning. And Kramer Robertson walked. He walked, and the game was over. Um, that play started rocking, and five batters later, LSU has a four to three lead. They get three outs in the top of the night. They win game one, and game two is a no contest for all intents and purposes. I just, I'd rather go to I'd rather go to Pete Taylor Park. I I just would. Yeah, no, I I, I get that. I don't really actually feel strongly either way. I was just kind of playing devil's advocate because like the devil's advocate of that would be well, yes, LSU has the better lineup, but Ole Miss is clearly, as you saw in the Coral Gables, <laughs> pitching has become the strength of their team. So if you're kind of telling me what's the biggest difference, I'd actually probably say it's Ole Miss's pitching is drastically better than LSU's, and the offense. I guess it depends on what version you get of Ole Miss's. I think it's probably the gap is slimmer there but you're right I mean look if it was in Oxford you'd probably rather face LSU I will say though this weekend I don't know if you've ever been to Pete Taylor Park but it's clearly not Alex Box Stadium it's not as big but they're gonna pack that thing to the gills and it's kind of like a uh I would equate it to like a, a mid-major basketball arena you know some of those places Gonzaga plays can get pretty rowdy for what they are and it feels like everything's on top sure. I think that'll kind of have the same thing. I'm not comparing the two, but just I do think it will be an electric environment this weekend. And that sure. Pete Park can kind of get, I would say, low-key, um, pretty rowdy in there too. And uh, also, you know those people are going to be absolutely charged up <laughs> to beat uh, the uh, sure. at SEC school. Uh, but but and, and, and you're right. But at LSU, like – and maybe this sounds dumb and I'm readily aware that it might. LSU – hosting a super regional isn't a big deal for them. They, they do it every other year. This is a big deal for Southern Miss. Does, do, do they grip the bat a little bit tighter at home? Um, do the fans, yeah, I mean, people have talked about this for, for a while. If you're down five to two in the fifth inning of a game two after you've lost game one, do the fans get a little bit nervous because that's been the case at Swayze at times. Um, when this team fell down to Tennessee Tech at three to two in, in 2018, you could, you could sense the nervousness throughout the stadium. Um, that would not be the case at LSU. Um, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. And, and I'm not saying Southern Miss will freak out. I don't. I don't necessarily think they will. Um, again, this is an elite and very good baseball team. Um, but there would be no panic from LSU that, that this is the team that uh, erased an 11 to four deficit in one swing on Friday night. So um, I just think there's more chance for Southern Miss to grip the bat a little bit tighter and maybe hold on to that curveball a little bit longer, more so than there would be from the kids at LSU. Completely fair. And this part is not even necessarily carrying on this pseudo debate or whatever, but I was impressed just from watching the regional over the weekend of Southern Miss's um, resiliency. Like, yes, that game got sure. really weird. Um, that game they played the first time they played LSU, but for them to be able to come back and win. And that, that – particularly that last game have so many swings to it. I was pretty impressed by Southern Miss. Oh, they're, they're tough. In that regard. They you. are tough in that regard. Their offense is not nearly as good as last year. Like, they've had a couple guys take a step back. 
and then a couple of new guys come in and do a pretty decent job. But they they did show toughness, and that's not even related sure. related to LSU or anything else. That was just an observation I had from watching the games this weekend. Sure, I mean this is a team that uh, was up seven to four, um, blew the lead in the bottom of the the eighth inning, and I'm like, well, you know, you're dead. Um, you let LSU get hot, and and I don't know how you come back. And then they scratch one across, and I mean, I do mean scratch in the top of the eighth, or excuse me, the top of the ninth, and you leave you leave runners on base, and I'm just like, go with God, Southern Miss, because you're, <laughs> you're down one in the bottom of the ninth, LSU season on the line. I've seen this before, um, and and but to their credit, uh, the kid. I can't remember if it was Landon Harper. I don't think it was. I can't remember the kid's name that I got to say, but, but he it is Landon two Harper. Yes. Oh, it was Landon Harper. Okay. Um, and then throws a uh, 95 mile hour fastball with some real stink to, to uh, K, the, the last guy to win the regional. So, real toughness by Southern Miss for sure. Um, I just wonder. So, so, you know, there's been a narrative about Ole Miss baseball um, for a long time. It's like, hey, they get tight. Well, they don't really don't in regionals. I just kind of wonder if super regionals make it different. If you're um, two wins away, man, you're two wins away. And I just wonder if that pre- presents a different dynamic. I don't know. We'll see. Um, and, and look, I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm being elitist. Southern Miss is an excellent baseball team. I think they're a top six to seven team in the country. Um, maybe even better than that. But um it just depends on the version of Ole Miss that shows up down there this weekend. I've seen about seven different versions of them. I've seen a version that's better than Southern Miss, and I've seen a version that's a whole hell of a lot worse than Southern Miss. Um, Southern Miss is remarkably more consistent. Um, but Ole Miss, with their best, I think there's a better baseball team, but Ole Miss has not been at their best um, for the majority of the season. Thankfully, they are right now. And I was wrong on uh, that last part. Uh, Hart- Landon Harper um, pitched the uh, eighth inning for LSU. It was Tyler Stewart that got the That's last right. one out of miss. I had that messed up just to correct the record there. Uh, but, no, you're you're right. And it's it would help if Ole Miss had, like, two or three versions of themselves. But uh, this whole seven-version <laughs> thing is made for a lot of really wrong predictions this year. And just to get on, like, the, the – if you want to go like down the, like the road of Ole, will Ole Miss be tight – I would just throw my hands up at this point and say, one, have you seen the way they're playing and the way they're acting while they're playing over the last well, – and, like, do they have any reason to? Do, at this no. Point, do they really have any reason to? No, and, and that's a narrative that I don't think since about 2018 is fair. Um, people do, oh, they lost Arkansas was better. They lost Arizona was better. Like, what are you going to do? Any play as loose as they want, they're going to get their ass kicked because the other two teams are better. I don't know. Even at, at Ole Miss's best version. Right. Even at their best, they were not better than Arkansas that year. They were not better than Arizona this year. At Ole Miss's best version, they are at least equal to Southern Miss. We can argue if they're better or not, um, but at their best, they're at least equal and will give themselves every opportunity to win the Super Regional. Um, So we'll see. I I just, I don't think, whereas we look back in 2019 and 2021, if this doesn't go Ole Miss's way, the, the sentence that Southern Miss was just a lot better than Ole Miss. Um, I, that won't come out of my mouth. Um, you know, I, I, and I don't mean that in a elitist way. I, I just think that these two teams are pretty evenly matched. Um, and that's a credit to, to Scott Barry. Um, he's done one hell of a job there. But um, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I think Ole Miss has as much opportunity to win the Super Regional or more opportunity to win the Super Regional certainly than, than the last two times they've entered the, the Super Regional round. 
looking at Southern Miss's pitching staff, and this will be a series that I think, I mean, look, yeah. you can argue one of two ways, but I think it will be decided by pitching to a large degree. And just kind of giving the people yeah. who are listening a primer on uh, Southern Miss's pitching staff, the three starters you're going to see are Tanner Hall, Hurston Waldrop, and then is it – I always want to say Hunter Riggins, but I had it written down wrong three times. Is it Ben? Um, no, that's Ben Etheridge. That was the kid that there was their Friday night right. starter to start the year. Doesn't matter. Riggins is the other one. I'll think I'll get it in a second. But it's kind of an interesting. It's kind of interesting how it has played out. Hunter Riggins. Yeah, I had that right. Hurston and Hunter is what was tripping me up. Um, yeah, a couple of MIS names there. Um, anyway, uh, so but the way it's played out this year has been interesting because Ole Miss actually, or excuse me, Southern Miss actually started the year with a guy named Ben Etheridge who was their Friday night starter throughout pretty much the entirety of non-conference play. He started the winner-take-all game last year in the 2021 Oxford Regional. It did not go well for Mr. Etheridge. Joel Miss got after him pretty early. I think he only lasted an inning, maybe he lasted an inning and change. He was, I would describe, decent for his first three starts in non-conference play, okay for the last two. And – with the way Tanner Hall had pitched in a couple of midweek games against the likes of what was a ranked Tulane team when they played them and just absolutely shoved against Mississippi State in a pair of wins. Um, Scott Berry, when conference play began, I mean, I'm sure he saw what turned into the Ferris Award winner and the numbers that he's put up this year, but went ahead and inserted him as their Friday night guy. And he has been their Friday night guy ever since with Riggins and Waldrop following him for most of the year. Um, I can't necessarily say you don't see that often, but it is fairly interesting that in terms of a midweek guy going into the rotation and kind of becoming a star. That happens fairly commonly. It is very interesting, and I guess it may be a little bit different in Conference USA play, that he picks that well in a couple midweek starts, and Scott Berry just said, to hell with this, you're, you're going to anchor this staff. Yeah, um, that is interesting, and maybe there's more to it than, than we know. Maybe it's you know, just getting him ready and, and maybe he's coming off maybe some Jamar arm issues or whatever. I don't, I have no idea. Um, it was a good call. I, I do, yeah. I do know this. Um, I sat in section J at Swayze um, on a June night in 2021 and watched Tanner Hall just on Ole Miss. Well, that's the story I, here. I, I buried the lead. I should set you up better. This is – some people out there listening are going to go, oh, that guy? You remember when Ole Miss – had the reliever come yeah. in. It was a back-and-forth game of the Sunday game when Southern Miss forced the winner to take off. And I allowed one hit over five innings relief. That is that guy. Sorry, continue. Yeah. Um, there's a real, real two-seamer with real sink. Um, the good news for Ole Miss – well, there's two things. The good news for Ole Miss is that he started on Friday and he started on Monday. And, and you're probably going to get him on Saturday. It'll be his third start in – um, oh, you know, eight days, which now look, he threw 32 pitches on Monday. That usually equates to a bullpen. It's obviously a lot more high stress than a bullpen, but I don't think tiredness will affect him. The good news for Ole Miss, though, is you've seen it um, because it's easy. So it's easy if you're just reading the scouting report, it's like, oh, this kid's got a sink or whatever. And if you remember, obviously, this kid, I, I don't know this, I would have to go look this up. I don't think he threw a ton for Southern Miss last year, so I don't know how great of a scouting report Ole Miss had on him. But you've seen him now. You know what it does. You know what the ball does. You know what the changeup does. You know what the slider does. Um, now, look, does that mean Ole Miss is going to go rocket this kid? No, they're not. 
Um, very, very few teams have been able to do that. But at least you have some familiarity with how the ball moves, how the fastball moves, and what he's able to do and how he likes to pitch. Um, because th this is the same lineup that was in the Oxford Regional outside of Kale Baker last year. So um, at least there is some familiarity with that. You're right. And actually, it's funny you mentioned the first part of that about how much of a scouting report they had on him. I'm not saying Ole Miss did or didn't have a huge scouting report. When I went through his 2021 numbers, he was a heavily used reliever for okay, something this last year and really came on the last two-thirds of the season, like for two-thirds of conference play, I should say. My first thought was, and I don't remember the construction of the 2021 Southern Miss baseball team, my first thought was, how the hell was this kid still available on a Sunday night to go as long as he did? <laughs> uh, well, I can, I can tell you a little bit of that. Um, so, so on uh, Friday in that regional, they threw Walker Powell and finished it up with Ben Etheridge, okay? And then on Saturday, they just beat the bejesus out of SEMO. Uh, so they didn't have to use anybody that was any good. And then on Sunday, I can't remember who they started, but Ryan Ock threw like six innings, their closer. So that's how he was available. They weren't um, – they used their – well, Ben Etheridge was their third starter, I believe, um, last year. So I don't really know what they did on Sunday from a starting perspective against Florida State. Um, but I, I, I guess what I'm saying is they did not have to use a whole lot of bullpen arms um, on, on Sunday or, or Saturday in the first game – excuse me, Saturday or Sunday in the first game. They were able to save their bullpen pretty well, which did not set up well for Ole Miss, obviously. What did you do on your birthday five years ago? What did I do on my birthday five years ago? I can actually tell you, as sad as that is, I was at an NCAA softball uh, regional game against North Carolina. Ole Miss won the regional that day. That's not that sad. I was just curious if you could remember all that. I was going to put it to the test and see what you do and don't remember. So I, this, this, You want to hear the saddest thing I did today? What is that? I got in the shower. This is, this is how my brain works, and it's so sad. I got in the shower today, and I named off every game that happened in the NCAA tournament regional round and like the result, I just went through one through 16 and was like naming it off and what the result was for all six or seven games in the regional. That's how my brain works and why I can't remember anything of use. There's a deep, <laughs> Jesus, there's a decent chance that I would get one wrong in the Coral Gables super regional. I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> it would just take me a minute. It's Coral like Oregon State. Beat New Mexico State, Vandy lost to San Diego, New Mexico State lost to Vandy. I'm just going through the whole thing. We could do a separate podcast on that one day where I just hit record and don't talk, and then we hit the recording button. Uh, we get to some. Uh, if we get to a tough spot in the summer, we can definitely do that. The uh, the Tanner Hall piece of it, though, you mentioned is interesting because he he did pitch Friday. He threw 109 pitches against Army. They actually needed him to be really good, and credit he was. Yeah, he was that's what everyone. They, they got on barriers. Like, why are you using your ace? I'm like, well, if he didn't, he was going to be in the loser's bracket. Yeah, I was about to say, so he threw eight uh, shutout innings, scattered four hits, struck out nine, walked, walked one, and they needed every bit of it to get past Army, and he throws 109 pitches. He throws 32 high-stress pitches um, on Monday against LSU. If this had been a Friday, Saturday, Sunday regional, I think we'd probably have more to talk about about regarding the strategy for Scott Berry sure. in, in terms of when you use – Tanner Hall, but I'm with you since it's a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I think you just go with Hall on Saturday. Would it completely stun me if he held him for Sunday and tried to get him an extra day? I don't guess so, but I don't think that would be it would end up happening. But what what you mentioned was it is a um it's his third outing or excuse me, third start in eight days. And you've seen that kind of come to fruition a couple times this year 
with a heavily taxed arm uh, in Dylan Delucia. Um, there was one where the, the LSU game where he wasn't – where he had the pitch back. Texas A&M. And Texas A&M wasn't as good. And then he throws again on Tuesday in Hoover and was not as sharp. And Dylan Delucia is a guy on full rest and pretty much by any sample size has been good pretty much any time out. And so I just point out that example to say, you know, you think, well, it's June, it doesn't matter. Well, just in terms of how sharp guys are, I think it does matter a little bit. And look, this guy, Tanner Hall, absolutely ran through uh, Conference USA play. I mean, you go up and down his start with, I mean, I'll just do it. Eight, 5.2, 7, 7.2, 8, 7, 7.1, 8, 5, 8, 5, 4.1, 6.1, 8. Um, excuse me, the last one was Army. Some of that, two of the, one of those was the Conference USA tournament. But I will point out, though, I mean, look, he's he looked human-ish at times, I'll call it. UTSA's got a pretty good offense. They got him out of the game with four runs yeah. after five innings. Middle got him out after four and a third. They scored four runs. Um, there was one more in there. It was either a FIU or a Charlotte. Maybe I have that wrong. No, excuse me. FAU actually got him pretty good. FAU scored five runs on him, despite the kids striking uh, ten guys out. Like he's, I mean, look, everyone's like this, but I just mean to point out he's human um, in that sense, and so he is gettable. And because he has such swing and miss stuff, his pitch count can spike um, pretty quickly. He had a couple outings where he made it to the fifth or sixth inning and was in the ninety-ish pitch mark. Um, his strikeout numbers are absurd. He has a hundred and thirty. Well, he excuse me, he entered. He entered the regional. He entered the regional, I believe, with 139 strikeouts and 12 walks on the season. Yeah, so that's going to be the frustrating thing if this goes poorly for Ole Miss and Ole Miss fans um, on Friday. Excuse me, on Saturday at three o'clock. Um, he is not a guy that you can sit there and say, "Well, we're going to work counts." How are you going to work counts? It doesn't zone. You better hit it. He does not walk people. And now it is a, it is now officially 140 and 13. So that, I guess that was after the regional and this other side had it off. So it's 140 strikeouts, 13 walks on the year. He does not issue free passes. Yeah. So you better go swing it. Um, and if I'm, if I'm Ole Miss, that, that maybe gives me some confidence because – well, not confidence, but maybe that's a good matchup because Ole Miss doesn't walk anyways. Um, so, you know, maybe, hey, you're going up there swinging. You know he's going to be in the zone. Let's go. Um, let's see what you got. Let's see who the better the better team is. Um, Tanner Hall is the lead. He's he's really really good. People will do over the week. Oh, he couldn't have done that in the SEC. He would have been one of the better arms in the SEC this year. Um, he would have been a Friday night guy in the SEC without a shadow of a doubt. And Ole Miss, if you want me to be honest, has not been good against Friday night arms in this league. Um, outside of maybe South Carolina. Um, but if we're real on South Carolina, they, they threw their best guy on, on Sunday this year in Will Sanders. Um, they have not performed as they probably should have against Friday night guys this year. And, and um, for my money, Tanner Hall certainly would be one in the SEC. And, and it'll be interesting to see if Ole Miss can kind of get that figured out. To their credit, I think Garrett Urban would have been a Friday night guy in the SEC. Um, and, and they were able to get after him a little bit. So we'll see. It's it's look. I think this offense, or excuse me, I think the super regional comes down to one thing. It's Ole Miss's offense versus Southern's pitching. I think, and I can be proven wrong on this, and 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 that's okay. Um, if Ole Miss's pitching staff blows up, then it doesn't matter. None of this matters. I think Ole Miss can hold them enough at bay um, to score. I don't know that, and, and and I've certainly seen this pitching staff have bad days before, and Southern can certainly swing it. But I, I liken this offense from Southern Miss to Arizona. And, and Arizona, while they did score plenty of runs, um, did just bomb Ole Miss. So I think this comes down to do you think Ole Miss can hit Southern Miss pitching? 
and and that's what's going to decide the Super Regional. Yep, I'm with you there. And the uh, just to add on to your point, they had not been good against Friday night guys. The only other two I could name is they were pretty good against Connor Nolan. Like it was it was good enough, right? They found a way to get a couple runs sure. on and won a pretty tough game there on an Duluth outing. And then Detmer against uh, Detmer for A and M is really sure. the only one. Only other ones I can remember, and I feel like when you can count the good performances on uh, two fingers in terms of the regular season, that's uh, that's not what you want. That's that's not great, particularly when pitching is down in the SEC. And look, there are exceptions, right? Like like Missouri didn't really have a Friday. I got all this scored a bunch of runs. Sure. In terms of good arms, I mean, look, Chase Burns and all three of uh, all three of Tennessee's arms are Friday night caliber arms, uh, and did did not go well there. I forget who. Uh, who Alabama started, but I don't remember that game going particularly well for the Rebels either. And then, like you said, Will Sanders is South Carolina's ace. That didn't go well either. And so some of the better arms this year, they uh, they haven't fared as well against. And I think you're right. I think it'll come down to, I mean, this will be Ole Miss's offense versus Southern Miss's pitching because I do think Ole Miss's pitching will be there. And I think one of the advantages that Ole Miss has, like you mentioned when you're doing the LSU-Southern um, Miss debate, is that Southern Miss has not seen – Hunter Elliott, Ole Miss, uh, Southern Miss has not seen Dylan Delucia. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, That's I was about correct. to say, unless I was trying to think how, how early in the year that first game was. And, um, you know, they've seen Brandon Johnson, but it didn't necessarily go great. And that wasn't necessarily a large sample size either and so I think that's an advantage Ole Miss has to figure to finish out though with this thought with uh Southern Miss's rotation just to give you an idea of through most of we were talking about this before the air before we uh started recording for um for most of the year they had Riggins as their number two guy for the majority of conference play and Waldrop as the third guy and look they seem pretty interchangeable in terms of numbers both of those guys throw pretty hard uh, which one of the is it Riggins is the D, uh, the Delta State transfer, isn't he? He's that is Delta correct. State yes. transfer had a great career there. He's 90, 92, um, probably can get into 93. Throws four pitches pretty well from what I gathered. And then uh, Waldrop throws really, really hard with a pretty good curveball as well. Um, I mean, that's a mid 90s guy that's probably 96, 97, um, touching 97, I should say. Somewhere around there. I think um, Mason Barnett, if people remember um, from Auburn, I think that would be a good comparison for uh, Hunter Waldrop. That is a, I think that is a good comp as well. And what was interesting, though, what I was getting at was um, against LSU. So a Southern Miss beats Army in that first game. And, look, I'm sure it's a matchup thing or a numbers thing that we wouldn't know. Scott Barry clearly shock uh, breaking news here. No Southern Miss better than two podcasters that do one about Ole Miss. But they went with Hurston Waldrop against LSU um, and like I said they seem like fairly interchangeable guys right they're both right-handers they both throw pretty hard maybe it was a velocity thing they thought LSU would struggle with some upper velocity I don't really know but I did find that interesting that they went with Waldrop in the second game of the regional when he'd been their game three starter for most of the season yeah um, they, they actually did that in the tournament the week before too so okay. um, maybe it had just been a move that, that they decided they needed to make after middle Tennessee I don't know um so cert- certainly interesting um i would expect truthfully that if as, as long as there's no funny business with tanner hall and they're not going to hold him for sunday to get him extra rest i would certainly expect a rotation of uh tanner hall hunter waldrop and and uh hunter riggins that that would be the the rotation i expect to see in hattiesburg this weekend and the good news for Ole Miss is none of those guys throw with their left hand just a guess sure. because we were talking about it do you who do you think would go second 
Oh, no, I, I mean, I think Waldrop would be second. I'm pretty confident in that as long as – and I could be wrong, but um, just the way they've managed the past two weekends, I don't and, – and Waldrop certainly threw well last weekend against LSU. He was not the reason they lost the baseball game. Um, frankly, uh, and here's what's funny about that LSU deal. They kicked LSU's teeth in for all but one inning in those three games. So, um, no, in complete fairness, Ole Miss kicked their teeth in for three games um, and – didn't didn't lose one inning, so um, it'll be interesting for sure. Um, but I, I certainly expect Waldrop to to throw game two as long as Tanner Hall throws game one. Southern Miss, from a lineup standpoint, is a decent lineup. Um, we they showed some resiliency over the weekend. They were fourth, fifth in most statistical offensive statistical categories. It's certainly not the offense that Ole Miss saw a year ago. Um, this is definitely a team that's. Uh, built around his pitching. They have a lot of bullpen depth. Ole Miss has seen a couple of their guys. They saw Rodgers. They saw Ramsey. They saw the best kid and one more that I had written down, but I can't find it right now, throughout the midweek. But they did not see um, oh, Harper, uh, the, the closer, um, Harper, and they did not see one other arm in there as well. Point being, Ole Miss has seen flashes of what I would say is LSU, Southern Miss's better arms, uh, Landon Harper. Sorry, I was blanking. They've not seen Dalton. They've seen Dalton Rogers, and they have not seen Isaiah Rhodes, I believe, was the other one. Matthew Adams is a guy that used a lot, a decent bit, too. He actually started one of the games. I think it was the game that Ole Miss won. Yeah. So Ole Miss actually has some familiarity with Southern Miss's uh, bullpen. Harper has become their uh, – I would say become their closer. They got, five, they got four guys with at least four saves. But uh, he's kind of, he seems like the guy they've gone to in the ninth most of the time, although last week they closed the game out with him pitching the eighth inning. So it's a pretty malleable bullpen, but they do, like Ole Miss, have some depth. But I feel like Ole Miss has a decent amount of familiarity with them. I do. Um, I, I think and, – and I could certainly be proven wrong on this, but I, I do think that um, last year's uh, facing Tanner Hall is, is a pretty big deal for Ole Miss. Um, I don't – this would not go well for Ole Miss if this were their first time seeing him. And I get it. It was a whole, whole year ago, but um, same lineup, right, um, for, for most intense purposes. I actually probably need to go look and see what Ole Miss started in the lineup that night and see how many guys played. But I certainly, uh, I certainly think that's an advantage. And, and like you said, there's familiarity among the bullpen. Look, Southern – so some people will do and, – and, and I even said this. Um, some people will do – well, I'm glad they're – Playing a CUSA team, they'll run out of pitching. No, they won't. They're not going to run out of pitching. So um, I understand what happened in Louisiana Lafayette in 2014, um, where ULL was just running after, run out dude after dude after dude, trying to get Ole Miss out. Um, this is not going to be that. Ole Miss will have to go earn it. Now, am I saying that Ole Miss can't get after some of these guys? Absolutely not. I'm not saying that at all. It just won't simply be because they ran out of pitching like Louisiana in 2014 and Arizona in 2022. Uh, yeah, no, that's not happening this weekend. I think a pretty good uh, ULL team. I mean, look, they, they were on some back-end guys, but, I mean, it took them to kind of the very end of that <laughs> pitching. Um, they were still pretty pretty decent for the most of that super as well. Uh, Southern Miss offensively, as I mentioned before, I kind of got sidetracked by the bullpen thing. That was just the last note I had. It's a decent offense. They don't hit the ball over the fence um, a ton. I mean, they got a, a Christopher Sargent does. He has 21 home runs. They got a couple guys 16. But when you get into conference play, they only had two dudes with double-digit home runs. It was Sargent and uh, Will McGillis. And so, they, they – I mean, look, they all got pretty decent OPSs. They got 
four dudes that would or three guys that would qualify with over 300 average on base percentage across the board is all right it's a good CUSA offense it is not a uh, I wouldn't say it's a uh, plus I don't know NCAA tournament offense I would say it's pretty run of the mill um you kind of have two guys that you really have to worry about and beyond that it's don't make mistakes um because you, these guys are gettable so, they don't walk a ton um let me pull this up because I actually uh if I can find it I actually have a pretty good comp for Southern Miss's offense but um my spreadsheet's not oh, – all right, here we go. So here are Southern Miss's numbers for the year. They hit – so this is their starters. I actually pulled out the guys that don't play a whole lot. Um, I took Montenegro, uh, one of the catchers, and, and Blake Johnson, another catcher. Both of them started games in the regional, I do believe. Um, as a team, their starters hit 280 on the year and have a 380 OBP. And a, if I can find their slug, a 478 slug, good for an 858 OPS. Remember that number, 858. Um, here's Arizona, okay? Here's their starters. They hit 287. Um, they had an OBP of 378, a 468 slug, and an 846 OPS. Um, so a little bit lower than Southern, but you have to remember Southern played the uh, number 50 schedule in America, according to warrennolan.com, and, and Arizona played the number 28. So, And when you get to, to add on to that, when you get to Pac-12 play, you talk about the arms and the arm depth and the way they play baseball. Sure. Dude, that's definitely tougher. Right. So, so I think they're um, at least comparable. And, and I don't – I'm, I'm probably going to eat crow for saying this. At no point was I worried or scared of the Arizona offense. And, and I don't mean that as in Arizona can't hit, and I certainly don't mean that as Southern Miss can't hit. I just mean that when I watched that game, I, I didn't think that Arizona's offense was going to be the reason that Ole Miss lost the game. I thought if Ole Miss was going to lose a baseball game, it was going to be because of Ole Miss's offense. And I, and I kind of feel that way this weekend. Could Southern Miss explode on Dylan Belushi or Hunter Elliott? Sure, they're, they're certainly talented. And I certainly saw last year that they can swing it. Um, but I, I just have a hard time believing that the Super Regional comes down to anything more than Ole Miss's offense against Southern Miss's pitching. I think that is the key. Um, and And – it can go either way. I mean, I've seen two different versions of this offense all year. I've seen a good version of this offense, um, and I've seen this offense against South Carolina and Mississippi State and Arkansas have uncompetitive at-bats in key situational spots. So, um, no, from from that perspective, Southern Miss's offense, while good and while talented, I don't think will be the reason Ole Miss does not go to the College World Series. I'm with you there. Um, you know, it, it's one of the things that came to mind last year after watching, and, you know, in Tennessee this year qualifies well, but 2021 Arizona, a zero felt like an accomplishment. A somewhat stress-free inning or literally just getting off the field without them scoring felt like a pretty big accomplishment and a significant moment in the game. I didn't get that feeling watching the 2022 Arizona offense, and I think the same could be said for Southern Miss, albeit completely capable. But those, I think some people can relate to what I'm talking about. If you kind of, like, watch a game – and you have an interest in one side to where it feels like, like with some offenses, one through eight or one through nine, it, it feels like an accomplishment to get off the field and get a zero because there's no break in it. That's not necessarily the case there. Um, just bouncing around a couple of random notes I had. We got Montenegro brothers this time, but I yeah. would, we, we might have a weird comp here between Ole Miss and Southern Miss. Gabe Montenegro, who was terrific last year, veteran player for them, started every game. He hit 345. 
He walked a ton. He didn't strike out, and he was a hell of a leadoff hitter for them and was supposed to be this year. This year, he's 280, had really struggled in conference play, and it's slid down to the eight hole. Who does that sound like to you? Um, I want to I want to Google something because I, I uh, I'm not one to uh, say something and and not fact check it. Maybe like um, you know a, a guy from uh, the ESPN broadcast. Did you see that this weekend that they accused the kid, the poor Evan Russell kid? Did you see this? I did. The answer to my riddle was Peyton Chatney. By the way, do what? Oh, Peyton Chatney. I'm sorry. Did that sound kind of similar? I can't say this for 100% certainty, but I'm pretty sure that Gabe Montenegro, and if you're looking at their stats, you can tell me, pretty sure he missed a large portion of the season or at least a little bit of the season and didn't play. Is that accurate as far as from his game started and appearances? Gabe Montenegro, he started all – he started and played every all but one conference game and – no, he started all 62 games this year. Okay, never mind then. I he, thought our – has missed some time, but I think he's a younger player, and I don't think he cracked in the lineup. But uh, the younger one only has 31 starts. Rodrigo, the catcher, but we got some brothers. That'll yeah. that'll throw some people for some confusion this weekend. Can't wait. Oh, that'll be good. Okay, so what I was thinking, I just remember um, listening to the first game and, and David Kellum saying that uh, a Southern Miss player had missed some time with an eye issue, and I just wondered if that was him was what I was wondering, but I couldn't find that. Um, and, and certainly if he's not this time, then it certainly wasn't him. I don't know who it would be. I just remember uh, Kellum saying that as I listened to the radio during the first game. Um, no, it's, it's certainly um, – Gabe Montenegro has been there since approximately 2004. Um, he's a 17th-year senior. I think he's 40 years old. Um, so, and I'm being a little facetious, but it does feel like he has been the leadoff guy forever and obviously had a tough year, uh, but had a really, really massive hit um, to win that game on Monday, I believe. I believe it was the Monday game. So, certainly an older guy with a veteran presence in that lineup that, you know, while he's moved down in the lineup, and I believe Paltow is now leading off, um, certainly a guy that can make you pay if, if you don't pitch him carefully. And he's a guy, um, if Ole Miss fans remember this name, uh, Tanner Mathis is a cop that I believe you could have for him. He's, he's just going to fight and fight and fight. He's got a little bit of power. Um, but he's a guy that's going to try to go to the opposite field, and, and he's going to be a tough, tough out for sure. And then the two guys you got to worry about from a power standpoint, Christopher Sargent, Will McGillis. Um, yeah. Steve Wilkins plays a decent bit for them, and he's got pretty decent numbers. But outside of that, it's kind of a one-two punch there in the middle. And then it's, like I said, it's a good conference. This one's good. Yeah, fine. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't really know what else to say from that standpoint. Look, if Ole Miss picks so, them, they should be fine. If they don't, Southern Miss is definitely good enough to make them pay. So, so they don't strike out a ton. Um, Ole Miss will have to continue to be good defensively. I know the errors happened in the game on Monday. I don't actually care because that game was over in the fifth inning. Um, if you're looking at their stats page, how many times did they sacrifice Bunnett this year? It'd be obviously the SH column. Um, because I, I feel like watching them a good bit. They 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 lay one down. Twenty nine. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they do not mind pull, putting a bunt down. Um, so you have to obviously defend that when and be ready for that if guys are on base. Uh, it's going to be a good series, man. It's going to be a really good series. It's two quality ball clubs, two two I think evenly matched ball clubs. Um, that 
it just depends on who, who plays well and, and, and is able to execute at a higher level. Um, I, like I said, I don't think either team is going to walk out of this weekend and say, hey, we're just that much better than the other team. No, I, I think these are two evenly matched programs for sure, or, or I should say it like this, two evenly matched teams. Yep, I uh, I agree there. Looking at it from Ole Miss and from just a couple of strategic standpoints, I saw earlier today that Ole Miss announced, I mean, pretty expectedly here, Dylan DeLucia, Hunter Elliott, and then TBA. Does that tell you anything regarding clearly the – It tells me Derek Diamond would not start game three. I think that is the case as well. And I know Ole Miss had done that at times this year, but um, I, I don't think so either. We talked about this, and now the, now I kind of held off on like the deeper conversation I've like on that. Oh wow, we have a we have a hold on. We we have a rotation for Southern Miss. Hunter uh Person Waldrop will start game one. Wow. Whoa. Uh, okay. I'm glad this happened. Tanner Hall will start game two. Um Hunter, or excuse me, Tanner Hall will start game two, and then Hunter Riggins would start game three. Okay. What uh what do you make of that? Um they're getting them some extra rest, and they 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 trust the other kid to uh, to get it done. I think I make this uh, make the same thing. So that's a kid that had been again, as we outlined, Hunter Waldrop, been their Sunday guy, but was their number two guy for the conference tournament, and then had the start and really what was their most important game of the year at that point, right? The winners bracket game against LSU. Um, and so that's interesting. So they are holding off for another day. I would have figured he'd have gone ahead and done it. I. Isn't that a smart move? We talked about, look, is, is it different making a third start in nine days versus eight? But no, when you talk about, but when we talked about Dylan DeLucia and like rest actually mattering in terms of how sharp someone is, um, nine is better than eight. I can, <laughs> I can tell you that much. And so I don't necessarily, uh, I mean, I'm not gonna say I hate or love the move either way. I, I don't have any strong opinions on it. I, I find that to be a shrewd move. No, I, I have no issues with it. I'm always, uh, I've always been in the camp that I wished, um, Mike Bianco would have held Drew Pomerantz for a game three um, against Virginia. Um, now, I don't know if it would have made much difference, but I just think uh, him being on an extra day rest, maybe the blister doesn't explode. Maybe his fastball is a little sharper, that type of thing. So, no, I, I have um, – I, I can't fault a man for um, for getting a guy an extra day rest for sure, um, especially, you know, obviously when, with him pitching on Monday. So, uh, no, I, I think this is fine. Um, but I think uh, – I think it. I think it puts some pressure on Ole Miss to win game one. Now, do, can you, beat you led me right where I was going to go. Ole Miss better take advantage. Can you beat of that. Tanner Hall. Yep. Can you beat Tanner Hall? I think so. Um, but I wouldn't want to have to put myself in that situation. That's that's that, that is the the perfect way to encapsulate it. Is the guy unbeatable, and is it a death sentence? No. But do you really want to fend off elimination in your season ending with Tanner Hall, the award winner, 139 strikeouts, 12 walks on the line? Right. Now, well, I want to put it this way. Um, in 2014, ULL did the same thing. They held Baranek for the second game and, and uh, threw Robicho in the first game. And Robicho obviously was not as good as, as Baranek. And Ole Miss lost to Baranek. Excuse me, Ole Miss lost to Robicho and then beat Baranek. Um, so, you know, it's baseball, things happen. Um, but you know, I, I just think it would behoove Ole Miss to win game one and, and I'll, I'll go ahead and make this projection. I'm sure we're going to project. Um, I think Ole Miss does win game one. I, I do. So 
we'll see. I'm not going – we'll obviously, I'm sure, make them at the end as far as who we think is going to win the Super. But I do think Ole Miss wins the first game um, against Hurston Waldrop. We saw a change in the lineup for Ole Miss um, on the in the winter – not the winter takeoff, excuse me, the, the regional final um, with Garrett Wood making his first career start, Calvin Harris going into the outfield. If you're like Bianco, do you do the same thing? And I understand this is partly contingent on the health of T.J. McCants, but I do think – look, if T.J. McCants weren't healthy and was still hitting – okay and I won't say good because obviously if he were weren't healthy and still producing fine then what is the point of the conversation if he were still okay he might have left him in there um but since he was struggling really bad and didn't seem well definitely was not completely healthy Mike went ahead and made the move along with getting trying to get something out of the Leatherwood spot what do you do if you're Ole Miss regarding that Leatherwood and McCants's slot in the lineup um wow Give me – let's see. I think I'd just play Wood if I'm crazy. So, I'll, I'll ask you this. At the end of the game on, I believe, Monday, T.J. McCants went into play right field, which which told me, hey, if they're up 22 to 16 playing right field, he's healthy. Do you give any consideration to playing Wood still at third base and then playing McCants in right field and, and only replacing one starter? Um I don't know. I, I really don't. I I think if it were me, if I'm honest, it's hard for me to give up, especially against right-handed pitching. It is hard for me to give up on TJ McCants. I get the numbers are bad. I understand that. It is hard for me to give up on him. Um, but it it brings into question. Well, who do you who do you bring in a lineup? Is it Wood or, or Harris if you're wanting to replace Leatherwood? Um, and I think Wood obviously makes your defense better, and Harris certainly makes your offense better. Um, and if I've said all week that I think this is Ole Miss's offense versus Southern Miss's pitching, I would start Calvin Harris in right field and, and put Justin Bench at third base and, and T.J. McCants in center field. I think that's what I would do. So you're asking – I thought, I kind of – I mean, look, it was – it was against Arizona that had run out of pitching and the game turned into a farce. But, like, I kind of liked what Garrett Wood gave them. He gave them three I did too. And, and, and that's hard for me because he was good. But the sample size certainly leads towards Calvin Harris being the, the more consistent offensive player. Oh, yeah. No, that's undoubted. Outed. I think what you – can you make the argument if you do the Wood – if you do Wood at third base um, and, as you mentioned – bench and center and and right does that help your defense at all say that again cut out on me for a second yeah sorry so if you do if, if you put wood in thir- at third base and McCants and right as you suggested does that help your outfield defense at all with a bench and center and and right as opposed to I mean clearly Leatherwood being out there would be worse but like a Harris that's out there yeah. just as a hitter yeah, I think it does. Um, I don't know. It's I, – I don't – you're not going to have much fall-off, obviously, or any fall-off to me, really, from from Hayden Leatherwood to, to Calvin Harris. Um, and then the question becomes, do you how much better defensively do you come if, become if Garrett Woods at third base versus uh, Calvin Harris in right field? And is that worth maybe what you don't get off defensively? I don't know the answer to that question. Um, that's, that's a question – that, that's tough to answer because you haven't seen a lot of them play lately, right? You, you, this lineup's kind of been settled in, even against left-handed pitching, Hayden Leatherwood's played. So 
it's just kind of tough and, and it's kind of going to be something that uh, Mike has to go on feel about. I thought it was, I thought it was the right move. Um, if this makes sense against Arizona, because while uh, Wood had, had certainly had a good day, um, I didn't think that Ole Miss was going to struggle to hit that day. So I thought the, the right move was to go for the defense. Um, TJ McCannis needed to come out, whether it was rest or whether it was just he wasn't playing well. Um, I thought that was certainly the right move. But in a situation where you're probably going to need a good bit more offense, it's certainly a decision that he'll have to make. And I'm certainly interested to see what he does with it. I am too. Uh, it's almost feels like a broken record stating this. It wouldn't surprise me if he did end up doing that because I think the uh, rigid Bianco thing is kind of invalid and outdated at this point. Hell, I mean, if, if he threw – actually, I won't go that far. I was going to say, like, I don't know, like a Banks tally or something out there. It wouldn't completely stun me. Um, that was actually the the, the uh, hypothetical Chase brought up. Yeah. The, uh, before, before Mike actually did it in the regional final, it wasn't Garrett Wood. It was a Banks tally in the outfield. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not, we're not going to debate whether Banks tally will get a start this week. And I just meant it's uh, – <laughs> It, would, it wouldn't stun me if Mike made the move because, look, he's proven to be pretty flexible. And um, I don't know. It, 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 it's going to be fascinating. But that is another piece of this is on both sides, everything seems pretty set. There's not a whole lot of strategic maneuvering in terms of just in-game lineup stuff that is going to have a drastic effect on this series, uh, particularly now that we know Southern's rotation that they're holding Hall the other day. The rest of it just kind of is what it is, right? Can, you know, can Ole Miss utilize the presumed slight advantage it has with the Dylan DeLucia? And can they take advantage of that? And then, I mean, look, honestly, if Ole Miss wins game one, with the way Hunter Elliott's pitched and the confidence he's pitching with, I'll put it to you this way. Would you rather have, not knowing which game it was in, in the series, would you rather have Hunter Elliott against uh, Tanner Hall on the other side or Dylan DeLucia? Hunter Elliott. Um, I think they. I, I mean, think that's, that's my answer as well. Yeah, and, and that's not a slighted um, Dylan Delush. I, I think Dylan Delush has been good outside of the start against uh, Texas A&M, but you know uh, his numbers are a little inflated. Dylan uh, pitched better than what his numbers were at Arizona or against Arizona, I should say. Um, so yeah, I think if if look if Ole Miss's season's on the line, um, <laughs> how funny does this sound? If Ole Miss's season is on the line, there's nobody else that I want more than a left-handed kid with stringy hair wearing number 26. I feel like I've been here before. <laughs> yeah, uh, we certainly have. Um, how about Tucson in 2020, 2021? Or uh, Fayetteville in 2019. And, look, that's another piece of this. And to kind of put a bow on you know, our last couple of conversations regarding Hunter Elliott, I feel like if, if he hadn't have pitched the way he did – in the regional, and it was building this way anyway, but look, the regular season's a different animal. If he didn't have pitched the way he did against Miami, I probably would have brought it up as a footnote on the podcast is, in a super regional, is the moment going to be too big for this kid? Or in a postseason, no. is it too big for this kid? That's, as a true freshman, that's not a question. I, I, that's not something I think about, and it even extends beyond that. I mean, you look at Mason Nichols, another kid out of the bullpen. I mean, look, they bridged the game directly to Brandon Johnson against Miami with two true freshmen. And so I guess my point in that it starts with Elliott, but the true freshman arms that Ole Miss has used and even just the younger ones, now it's whatever. I don't really have that question with them, which you can't really say every year, particularly if you have a younger pitching staff. Yeah, um, certainly true. It's uh, Look, they've got five guys that are really, really, really good. 
um, when you talk about Delusha and Elliott and you talk about um, Josh Mounts, Mason Nichols, and Brandon Johnson, they have pitched extremely well over the last month. Um, and John Gaddis and Jack Washburn and Jack Doherty have been fine. Um, I, you know, elite like those guys, probably not, but, but still trustworthy out of the bullpen. Um, and that gives you, look, that's eight guys that, that you don't, you know, mind putting on the mound in the Super Regional. That's, that's a good combination to have. Now, I will say this. I listed eight guys there. Those are your guys. Um, if Ole Miss has to go deeper than that, Ole Miss is in trouble, I think. Um, but I think those guys can, can certainly find success this weekend. And I think if Ole Miss can just sustain and manage it correctly where nobody has to pitch besides those eight, then, then I think things could go well for the Rebels. Who starts at game three? Jack Washburn. I think that's my answer, too. What if I told you Jack Doherty had not pitched yet? I think my answer is still Washburn. Jack, it's still Washburn. I don't think Doherty's role is as a starter. I know he started and did well uh, in, in the game against Southern Miss, um, but I just don't think his role fits uh, uh, right now. Now, that can develop and change over time, but I just don't think what he does benefits or um, computes to him being a starter at this current moment. I'm with you. I can't tell you how on earth this would be the case, but what if <laughs> – You're going to go Milets, are you? Yeah, that was my next one. Look, uh, let's uh, – Dylan DeLucia goes – nine because Ole Miss is up like five nothing in the eighth and sure. Mike kind of puts the pedal on the gas and says hey my workhorse I've done this spot you know seven eight times this year if I can get all nine out of this kid um good luck tomorrow you get another pretty good one against uh with Hunter Elliott say they like lose a, I, don't, I don't know how I would get to a game three but you lose a close one like two to one where it's like Elliott Nichols Johnson anyway if Mallets is available is it still Washburn yes I, I don't I think he's older that well, they're the same age, aren't they? Washburn is – Did oh. he transfer from Oregon State? Yeah, but how many years – I don't know why I thought – I thought it was just one. But here's my reasoning. I don't think Mike Bianco is going to ask a kid that has not made a start all year to start the biggest game of the year in game three of a Super Regional. Um, I do think so, – So this, I thought it was two. My bad. Anyway, continue. So, so, so this is maybe a little bit of the pitching coach coming out in me. Um, I don't think people understand, like, you can't just be bullpen guy, bullpen guy, bullpen guy. Oh, God, I have to go start in a massive game. Now, can you do that randomly on an SEC weekend? Sure. Um, but I, I do think there is an art to, to knowing your body and knowing what you need to do to be an efficient starter. Um, and it's not as simple as, well, just go warm up like you do for the bullpen. I don't really think it's that simple. I think there's a lot of logistical things that go into it. I, I I don't believe that Mike Bianco, and I could be wrong on this. It happened last year with a guy like Taylor Broadway. I understand that, um, but Taylor Broadway was a senior, and and you know I, I don't I just don't, and it frankly didn't go well. Not not of Taylor Broadway's fault, but um, Arizona was really really good. I, I don't think Mike is going to again start a guy that has not made a start all year. I think you're correct, too, and I think that's why it's the right answer. Washburn actually is a junior, but they only have they they screwed me up here. They only listed him as, whoa, now this is really breaking my brain. We're about to get off into a <laughs> podcasting rabbit hole. I don't understand this. No, yeah, he pitched he, – he's two years. He pitched 2020 and 2021 at Oregon State. He's a okay. – I thought he was okay. a little bit older. Look, that doesn't matter. That's, that's still a bad answer, a sophomore versus a junior. But I was like, I could have scored those two years there. Um, okay. Anyway, doesn't matter. But I'm with you as well. I think the answer is Washburn is there – 
I haven't looked at the lefty righty stuff with uh, Southern Miss. Is there any? So I'll, I'll say this as I have not either. Jackson Kimbrell had a field day against uh, Southern Miss when they played down there in, in, in May before going to Baton Rouge and sweeping that series. I don't know this. I honestly God don't. But I do wonder if Jackson Kimbrell had this amount of success that he did if there is some struggles against left-handed pitching. Again, I have not looked at that. Um, frankly, that's something I probably should do. You're suggesting that on Gaddis's behalf not to start Jackson Kimbrell in game three. Correct. Yes, yes. That is a, a should they use um, – yeah, because they both throw it through left hand. It's a good point, though. Right. And, you know, as I'm saying this, I'm trying to find um, their left-handed stats. I can't find them right now. Um, but, you know, it's uh, – if, if Jackson Kimball was able to have that type of success, then obviously you would hope that maybe a John Gaddis would too. But, um, you know, it's uh, – It'll be interesting. That's that's for sure. It's it's going to be, um, and and you know, Gaddis is really the only left-hander that's thrown any innings of consequence. Frankly, I don't remember Jackson Kimbrell having thrown since that night in in Hattiesburg. So, um, I could be wrong on that, but I don't think I am. It's uh, it'll be interesting because because if 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 they're not a team that struggles with you know right-handed pitching, Ole Miss doesn't have a whole lot to to counter that with for sure. Yep. Last thing before we kind of get into the regional picks, I feel like we just about covered it. Um, defense. I won't go to the radio segment, keys to the series, defense, <laughs> back after this commercial. But Southern Miss is a really good defensive team. They don't yes. have a ton of errors. Ole Miss has not been that. Ole Miss was a good defensive team, I thought, in the regional. I know they made two errors in the regional final. Like you said, one of them was on Wood making his first start at third base. The other was on Gonzalez, who had played really good defense and helped Ole Miss out throughout the regional. I'm not – excusing it because this team certainly doesn't get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to defense. But that I think that is going to be crucial in this series. The way Ole Miss has played defensively over the last – I'm just making up a number here or estimating a number here, 12-ish games, um, needs to continue because, um, you know, with the type of pitching – I'm changing my answer to game three, by the way. My answer is now John Gaddis. You find your way into they, some they, or something? They, 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 those numbers go down versus lefties. Okay, there we go. I'm uh, glad we got there. But so, like the, but like uh, the, the side of it, um, like that. I think that will play a role because Southern Miss is a pretty good defensive team, pretty solid. And I, I don't know. Like if Ole Miss kicks the ball around, I don't know if they could survive a two-error game with Tanner Hall on the mound. I guess is my point. Like if particularly if one of them leads to like an unearned run, um, and you tell me Southern Miss gets three earned runs like that, that could be proven to be pretty huge. And so I, I don't really have much of a, a nuanced take there. I've just wanted to point out that Ole Miss needs to play good defense like it has the last 12 games because the little shit like that is what matters in these tight super regional games. So I don't believe in a whole lot of the coaching cliches that, that I hear and that I've you know learned growing up and whatnot. I do believe in this one. Uh, big games are not won. They're lost. Um don't be the team that screws it up. Don't be the team that throws the ball. And I know this is easy for me to say from my couch, um, you know, eating potato chips. I understand that I'm aware. But don't be the guy – don't be the team that throws the ball away in the eighth inning when you're up one run. Or don't be the team that walks four um, in an inning or whatnot. You got to be the team that throws strikes and doesn't doesn't screw up. Because I do believe in that. Big games aren't won. They're lost. Um, and and certainly, you know, you want to be the team that, that – um, doesn't lose it um, because it would be critical for this program to go to the College World Series this year. 
Yes, it will. And they are two wins away, which is kind of hard to believe. I thought about teasing the top of this podcast by saying this was going to be an hour and a half. It should be Anko be fired content. Um, but <laughs> as, I, as I wrote in the Monday night, uh, to, I guess I sent that actually Tuesday night newsletter. Um, as we talked about in the pods, like, I don't really want to have this conversation until it's over. Like, I, do, I, I get the discussion, and I'm not here to do the thought police and lecture people on what to say and what to think and what to discuss or whatever. But I just don't understand. It's like they finally got – look, regardless of how bad the regular season was and all that, they, they – I would say rectified it by getting through the regional. Now they're just in the same position where we all thought they'd be. Maybe people thought it would be an option Mississippi – two wins away from none of that mattering. I would just like to see the result first before any of that is like, I guess, relevant because look, if they go to, if they lose in two or they lose in three, the moment the ball hits the glove for the last out and ends their season, that absolutely becomes the conversation, right? Like, look, if, if, if we come here on Monday and, or whenever it is and do the post, the, uh, the wrap up podcast, yes, we'll wrap up like what happened, but you know, what we'll be talking about what the overarching conversation will be, right? Is I guess until then I just I don't have a lot of interest in it. Honestly, I'm kind of exhausted by it. No, I'm I'm not talking about it till till Monday till it's relevant. Um, and hopefully it's not relevant. Hopefully I'm booking an Airbnb in, in Omaha, Nebraska. By the way, those uh, you know, Airbnbs you could used to could get deals on not not anymore. Um, expensive. So um, certainly certainly will be a cop topic of conversation if Ole Miss isn't able to win two games this weekend, but. Um, for now, I, I just don't really feel like that's that's fair. I, frankly, I don't feel like that's a fair conversation um, right now. The, the guy just won a regional. Can we can we just can we at least let this play out? Um, I understand the angst and the frustration over the lack of super regional wins. I get that, but um, they're here again. If if they don't get it done, it's certainly a conversation worth having. And if they do get it done, it's certainly a conversation not worth having. Let's make some picks. All right, can we can we can we do Ole Miss last at least? Yeah, you read my mind there. I was going to go do it, do it last. Um, these aren't in any particular order. This is just some random site that listed them. They're certainly not in chronological order. What is this site doing? This makes no sense. Anyway, it doesn't, doesn't matter. We do have the Friday and Saturday game. Friday starts and Saturday starts grouped together. So, congrats to – oh, this is – Okay, so Instagram. I have a, I have a pet peeve. By What's your pet peeve? Um, can we just pick winners and not it not not how many games? Because because like I don't know, I just want to pick who I think is going to win the series. I don't know how many games it's going going to take. That's fine. If you have a strong opinion about one and you want to say two, or okay, three, uh, we can do that. But yeah, look, we let I me mean, these anyways. Um, Notre Dame, Tennessee. I'm gonna do it. I'm doing it. I'm gonna do it. Notre Dame. I, and maybe it's just my hatred, but I'm I'm taking them. You stole my thunder, but not really. I'm doing it. This is a look. I'm, I'm. I'm. I don't. I am not superstitious. I'm not even a little stitious, as Michael Scott would say. I. I do believe in karma and the baseball god. Sometimes I don't believe the baseball gods punish guys for bat flipping. I do believe the baseball gods might strike one of their bolts down for flipping off an outfielder as you're rounding second to uh, to go field his double that he hit. I, this is all. So this is all – I don't even call it heart. This is all just – I don't even know if I call it Spike. This is annoyance. This is an annoyance pick. I am going Notre Dame. This is a karma pick. I, I, I can't in good faith even argue this on anything else. Just Notre Dame. I, I just I, – I can't do the Tennessee thing. Did you see the OutKick article that uh, published yesterday? Oh, my God. 
Oh my God. That, I don't care. I finally fired off a tweet about it today while it works. So Chad Withrow, um, who's not a terrible writer. Um, I, he worked, I can't remember where he worked before uh, going to work for Clay Travis, but I remember reading some of his stuff and he's not a terrible writer. Here's his column. By playing the role of villain, Tennessee has single-handedly raised the profile of a niche sport. All of college baseball should send Tony Vitello, Jordan Beck, and the entire Vols baseball team a bouquet of flowers to thank them. I, I, I'll let you go first. I don't know where to start with how th- with this. As someone that has watched college baseball for a long time and and, and care, like I, you know, I, obviously I can't do a whole lot for the product, but I do care that the product um, is is better and better each year. Um, that annoys me because if that if the way Tennessee has acted is the way so first off i don't believe that crap second off if that is the way that we are going to draw viewers to college baseball then i don't want um and and maybe that's old school me and i don't believe i have a lot of old school stuff in me but um no uh even if that's true i don't want it to be true if that makes sense i don't want new viewers because tennessee is flipping off people or um you know flipping bats at, at Auburn's dugout or whatever. Um, secondly, it's not true. People aren't tuning in to watch Tennessee baseball. Um, they're tuning in to watch stars. Now, if you want to argue that, hey, they're tuning in to see Chase Burns and, and Dolander and those guys, then yeah, I'm in on that. They're not tuning in because Tennessee acts like a bunch of pricks running the bases. How many people last year that are casual baseball fans could name, or this year, could name Tennessee's rotation? And you don't even have to answer that part of it. How many could name Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker last year? Which one? <laughs> Fair enough. Not many. It's but it's lighter and rocker by a mile, is it not lighter? Yes. And rocker, oh like, yeah, 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 yeah. We were getting yes, easy. Yes. About them in February. Kumar Rocker changed the sport. He did, and we, we, I know we did the whole thing last year and talking about the the two guys versus Nikhazy and Hogan. That's not really my point here. They were superstars. Whether you thought they were the best in the yes. SEC, like you know what I mean? Those were superstars, and they were fun to watch pitch. I'm not saying Burns and the rest of those guys aren't fun to watch pitch, but, like, you had two actual superstars at Vandy last year, and that, I thought, raised the profile of the sport. Like, this is just such – I'm guessing this guy's a Tennessee guy, but, like, don't you – I read this column, and my thought at the end of it was, this is how what, what most people, Tennessee baseball fans that are probably new fans, think, and it's how they think. And it reeks of, like I, – I mean, I've said throughout the season they, they're, like, new money people. This is the guy – that made a couple smart investments in within or started a company that did pretty well within a certain industry. And he thinks the industry did not exist before him. And he may be loud and he may be obnoxious, <laughs> but not only is he making a ton of money and is he really good? And does he have practices that rub people the wrong way? He thinks other people should be thanking them for raising the baseline of said industry. When in reality, you're probably <laughs> just an asshole that wears a vest and sits in board meetings. Like I did, this was, this was so unbelievable to me. Like the, the, the fact that, Tennessee has single-handedly raised the profile of a, a niche sport. Like, what are you? What are you talking about? Have you seen the stadiums at Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, A and M? I mean, if you watch the postseason the last three years, where more and more eyeballs come on it, I would feel like every year for the last half decade or more. I mean, we've had some great postseason moments. The Coastal Run. I'm not saying Coastal's drawing more eyeballs to the College World Series, but we talked about this on uh, Sunday or Monday with all the streaming and stuff. It's become more and more of a, a like more eyeballs. I even used the Clay Travis example, right? I was like, wow, whatever you think of Clay Travis, a guy like that tweeting about, man, do you know how many elimination games are there? The product and more eyeballs getting on it because of streaming and viewing and the excitement of it is what's raising it. Not some team that acts like a bunch of assholes all the time. And look, 
I actually think Tennessee as a villain is kind of a fun storyline, but you don't have to. Oh, look. that's fine. That doesn't mean I love everything they're doing. Vandy was a villain. I think the Vitello stuff is over the top. I think flipping off the guy when you're rounding second just makes you look like an idiot. I don't even think that looks cool. So, like, I get all of that, and it's kind of a fun heel storyline, like wrestling type. But to say they're raising the profile of a niche sport is just absurd. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. How much of the casual baseball fan can name two players on Tennessee's team? Where if you said last year, name me two Vanderbilt players, I guarantee you a casual fan spitting out Kumar Rock or Jack Leiter. That's my point. What a delusional mindset. Yeah. Yeah, and, and here's the thing about villains. Like, Vandy was the villain. Well, Vandy was the villain to everybody outside of Oxford, Mississippi, and Nashville last year. But, you know what I mean? Like, Vanderbilt has always been this villain because, hey, they play on 25 scholarships, and it's easy to hate them. And their players kind of act like pricks. I don't act like Tennessee. Um, Tim Corbin would lose his mind if they acted like Tennessee. But, you know, Vandy kind of acts like they're better than you. And, and, and that's fun to dislike, if you know what I mean. Like, it's – it's, and I'm not trying to call it, like, respectful hate, but I don't like Vandy. I don't like Vandy baseball. But I can tell you this. Had, had Vandy gone to Knoxville, Tennessee, I would wear a Vandy baseball hat and maybe whistle. <laughs> it's just – I saw that. I was like – you got to be kidding me. They really do, though. I mean, like, I, I, don't, I don't like to get off in, like, the Twitter weeds and talk about, like, college baseball fan bases based on their Twitter contingency. But, like, there is a lot of vibes of, hey, this sport didn't exist until two years ago when we became good. It's like, what, what are you talking about? It's just – it's unbelievable to me. So, I'm glad we spent two or three minutes on that because I had to get that off my chest. But what a world we're living in, though, right, that, that Notre Dame is putting out the villain, hopefully. Yes, they, they oh, yes, exactly. It's it's, right. it's quite the inverse. It's it's it really is un, unbelievable. I'm um, also kind of rooting for Notre because they got screwed. Yeah, I'm with you there as well. And honestly, I mean, Tennessee played with its food a little bit. They were down in the ninth inning against Georgia Tech. Campbell had them on, oh, the, yeah. on the ropes. I just, I'm sure most of those kids are good kids. I would honestly like to see a Vitello presser after being upset at home. I mean, can you throw a bat at a Catholic school, or would that get you struck down by lightning? Can you throw a bat at their dugout? How would that work? Ooh, that's a good point. Just touch okay, down can you become like foul pole Jesus? Like, how does that guy – if he acts the way he does to everyone else, to them, will he be struck down on this, at the stadium? Something to think about. So, Notre Dame, is that our picks? That's, a, that's my pick, Notre Dame. I'm not picking them ever. I'll pick East Carolina if they play them at Omaha. Screw them. Texas, ECU, East Carolina, in Greenville, North Carolina. Uh, I'm going to go – I'm going to say the guys, uh, Cliff and the boys, get it done and they take their first You're going to pick the fighting Godwins? Because I am yeah, too. I, I think Cliff gets it done this year, and I'll be happy for him. Yeah, I will be too. I'm, I'm certainly rooting for them. Um, I don't like Texas, and I don't like um, David Pierce's comments today about East Carolina and their fans and how he called it. He, he, you know, they call it the jungle out there. And he was like, well, they certainly live up to their name. Um, that's the type of stuff that I can do without is, is the coaches criticizing people that care about college baseball. I understand that maybe they get too rowdy. I root for a school that, that certainly has uh, its share of, of uh, alcohol-induced rants in right field. But um, I think it's good that a place um, cares about college baseball and it comes across as arrogant when you're the head coach at the University of Texas and, and, and making fun of um, people that care about college baseball. I missed that one. That is stupid. Because you want to talk about how you like actually get people interested in the game. Allow them to go drink in the sun and enjoy a baseball game and an entertaining product. Who cares if a bunch of college kids get rowdy? Um, 
that that screams to me that what's his name David Pierce didn't have a ton of fun in college nerd um <laughs> all right here we go. <laughs> he and him at home against Louisville this will be a really really good series I'm going Louisville okay I'll go I was gonna say I was gonna use my first game pick of just big A and M at three I think A and M outlasted I like their offense a little better that's a coin flip for sure I, I that'll be a good one so yeah it's two of the it's the same team yeah. um. It's it's the same team. My my only thing is that that Louisville's as a program has probably been in this spot a little bit more. Um, I won't be shocked at all if Texas A&M, but it's the same team. Not a lot of pitching. Two really really good offenses. Uh, Oklahoma at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech in two. I think Virginia Tech as well. You're uh, you've been on the bandwagon and convinced me as well. Um, Stanford or excuse me, UConn at Stanford. Stanford. Um, I hope I'm wrong. Um, I think it'd be cool if Jim Pender, a guy that's been around college baseball for a long time, has built UConn into a really good program. Um, I hope I'm wrong, but but it'd certainly be hard to pick against Stanford after what they've pulled in the uh, regional last week. I think it would be too, but, man, did you – that game on Monday got crazy. Texas State for, like, a hot second had that game won. Oh, Texas State is good. Yeah, they really are really good. That was a, that was a fun late-night Monday night game that I regretted staying up for at the office the next morning, but that was a ton of fun. <laughs> I'll go Stanford at three, but I actually wouldn't be surprised. UConn feels like they've been doubted, like right week scheduled. No, of course they're not hosting or even really in like a high two-seed conversation. Um, I don't think many people had them coming out of that regional either, and they played really good. No. I'll go – actually, to hell with it. Who cares? I'm going UConn. Boom. There you go. Across the country. Uh, upset. Uh, Arkansas at North Carolina. This would be a doozy, too. I'm not picking Arkansas. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doing it. North Carolina. I don't really understand Arkansas. I'm going to go UNC as well. Auburn, Oregon State. Or Auburn at Oregon State. All right, so Oregon State, I believe this series starts on Saturday night. Oregon State threw um, their ace and relief on, on Monday. I'm going to bank on him being a little bit tired. I'm going to bank on Auburn's offense being real from what we saw in the regional. And I'm going to say Auburn gets this done in three games. I think everyone knows my affinity for Butch Thompson as a baseball coach. I think he's excellent. Um, I think Auburn gets it done in three. You get a tight game three. Auburn's a team all year that numbers haven't blown you away. They just know how to win games. I'm with you. I'm going Auburn in three as well. And that leads us to the grand finale. The Ole Miss Rebels going to play the Southern Miss um golden eagles what uh what is your pick Ole miss I, I think they get it done and and so it's complicated does the team that that showed up at lsu and in miami show up or does the team at south carolina or mississippi state show up i, I just so i'm i'm, I'm an average all right i'm a math guy I just kind of believe you get keep knocking on this door you're going to knock it down at some point. Um, they've knocked it down once, and, and just the law of averages, surely they'll knock it down again. Um, I just, it's not – look, I'm not going to be shocked at all if I look up on Sunday and Southern wins this in an 0-2 fashion. Um, but I, I, be, I just kind of think I'm – look, it's the team in their eighth Super Regional. At some point, the law of averages ought to be on your side and you ought to get it done. So I'm going to take Ole Miss. Ole Miss in two. There you go. <laughs> I do think this. If they win game one, they get win game one. I'll, I'll say this. If they win game one, I think they win game two. Um, I think there is a path to go win game two and three. 
I'm not going to be real confident in it, but I think they can do it. But I, I, I do think if they win game one, they can get game two and get it over with. I just think they're playing really good baseball. I think they found a newfound sense of confidence after a really terrible regular season. And uh, by their stand, I mean, by the standards that they were rightfully held to. And um, honestly, so, been pretty good. they kind of stumbled a little bit at the end of the year, and it felt like they really survived. Yeah. Regional. They're a very good baseball team, but they, that felt a lot more exhausting than what Ole Miss did despite, like, rain delays and stuff. And, look, that doesn't win you a two-, three-game series. I've just kind of seen how this plays out before to where – I don't know. I've just kind of seen the road team that's really kind of caught fire late in the year kind of go in and mow down a home team in a super. And it's like, well, how did that happen? Like, that team's not that much better than them. I think that's Ole Miss this year, and I think you were right. I think the law of averages plays out. Maybe I'm wrong. I didn't use a lot of numbers and statistics in that particular uh, monologue of a pick, but I just – I think it's going to happen. So, um, here's my thing. I, I just think that, yeah, like you said, it's and like we both said, it's, it's a law of averages thing. Um, I'll ask you this, and, and I'm kind of trying to look at it. Ole Miss starts – I believe this is accurate if Calvin Harris is in right field. Um, Ole Miss starts one kid, excuse me, two kids if you count um, Hunter Elliott and some bullpen guys, two kids from um, Mississippi and 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 their lineup with Hunter Elliott and then obviously um, um, Hayden Dunhurst. I think obviously when you talk about Southern Miss and Ole Miss, it's obviously going to mean a lot more to the Mississippi kids that have grown up and and you know what has been become a decent baseball rivalry. Um, do do you think it at all benefits Ole Miss that that they don't? start or play a lot of Mississippi kids compared to maybe a Southern Miss that, that plays a few more kids and they're not going to be the guy or the team that maybe grips the bat this hard because, hey, I can't lose to Southern Miss. Do you think that – and certainly Southern Miss plays a lot of guys that aren't from Mississippi, um, but I do think they, they play a good bit more, a decent bit more. Do you, do you buy into anything of that nature? I think the pressure is more on Southern Miss, and I think that that could be part of it and part of what contributes to it uh, for sure. Um, yeah, look, no one's going to buy – I mean, look, that particularly non-Mississippi kids, right, they're not going to care about the program stature and any sort of history and all that. I, I'm with you there. I think that, that could play into it. And, look, the pressure is on Southern Miss. Um, I mean, Ole Miss is – like, I don't want to say a team that was ranked number one in the country at one point is playing in – this is more of like a redemption of vindication. This is newfound success for Ole Miss, and you know it's it almost feels like they're playing like it is a completely new season to use the cliche. And so, yeah, I'm with you there. I think the pressure is definitely more on Southern Miss, and I don't think it hurts that Ole Miss has more uh, more out of state kids. And so, it's a um, it's going to be a fascinating one, dude. I I can't wait. Um, decent time. Like I don't hate the night games, but I don't I don't I'm not going to mind a little midday action on Saturday. No, Saturday. Um, no, I'm not either. I'm actually going to go. If they so, I'm not going to go to Southern Miss because they I just tickets is it's not a possibility. Um, but Ole Miss didn't get many, and then Southern hasn't even put them online, so I don't see that happening. But um, I'll say this on here: Ole Miss is opening Swayze for a watch party, which I think will be pretty cool. I'm actually going to go on Sunday. Oh, um, yes, so I think Report back on how that is, please. I, I was about to actually, I was going to mention that at the top of the show. I think that's a cool idea. I don't think that's something they've done before. So we're going to have boots on the ground there. Yeah, yeah, on Sunday. Not not going to make it on Saturday, I don't believe. But on Sunday, I'll, I'll especially if they're 1-0, I'll be there. Maybe if they're 0-1, I'll be in a hole crying or something. But, um, you know, if they're 1-0, I'll certainly want to be at Swayze and watch that with the people there. So, uh, I'm wondering how it works. Like, are they going to let me get on the field? Because, you know, if I'm sitting in Section J and trying to watch the scoreboard, that's a long ways away. But if I'm, you know, sitting in center field in a lawn chair, that's, that's certainly a little bit easier. 
But I actually tried to picture this because I was bored at work today. I imagine they just let you sit out in the outfield and watch, right? Because, like, that's not even a good – it's not a great angle from, like, right field either, right? Like, I imagine it's in the stadium. That would be the way to do it. Like, of course, they're not going to open up the outfield part of it. That wouldn't make any sense. I would just think they'd let you sit down on, like, blankets and the grass. I, I, I don't really know. I mean, look, I get that the, the field's well manicured and they don't want to, like, tear it up or anything, but I don't think people just standing on it are going to tear well, it up. Well, they're not going to play. They're not going to play. Yeah, it's it's it. Right. It's, it's not, hey, let's save it for next weekend. It's, hey, let's save it for next February. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think we think almost got enough money in the budget to fix the field if they need it. Yeah, so um, having like a driving range session out there, I don't think there's going to be many issues. So I'm curious to see the setup too. I do think that's a cool idea. Hate to one up you, but the Saturday game, I'll be watching. I'm going to my first baby shower um, oh. of a friend. Uh, well, at least the first one on purpose, I should say. Um, yeah, so we got a baby shower on Saturday. Not yours, right? No, 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 not mine, not mine. This is a buddy of mine who uh, got married uh, a little bit earlier than I – clearly earlier than I did. I am not. <laughs> <laughs> we got married a little bit earlier, and uh, they're having a baby. I think it's a girl in uh, July. I'm going to have to navigate that. It's, a, it's one of those – I mean, they're, they're our age, so it's not going to be like, what do you mean, where's the TV? He's going to have it on. Um, it's a laid-back type of thing. But um, I'm more concerned – I'm trying to convince um, – the whole uh, show up late after the game is over thing. It's at like five, five thirty, and the uh, game course starts at three. I'm just going to tell you, you might have to move me. Like you might have to pry me out of wherever I'm sitting, where I started watching the game with like your, 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 I don't know, with like some sort of machinery to get out of there. I'm just not sure how willing I'm going to be to be switching locations in the sixth inning. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Look, I, my argument was the kid's not alive yet. He's not going to know whether I attended this thing or not. Or she, excuse me. So like, what, he at least doesn't like, know for like five years either. That kid's not going to hate me if I didn't attend the baby shower. It's, it's basically a zero-year-old birthday, and it's still on the inside. It didn't even get to participate in the fun. So I, I think I'm going to have to do the fashionably late move, but uh, I'll report back on the baby so, shower how that coincided with whole Mrs. Results on Saturday. So I'll, I'll ask this, um, and obviously putting the card a little bit before the horse here, um, because I don't, you know, almost can obviously lose two games this weekend. They lose the first two. Are you gonna Are you gonna make the trek to Omaha if they were to win two games this weekend? Man, I don't. I've thought about that. I, I I'm TBD. I'm gonna. I will probably try to navigate some way to go for a little bit. But your boy from weddings and stuff. Vacation <laughs> days are really just not not adding up. You're uh, you're like MC. You guys get like summers off, and so that that yeah. for college baseball. The only problem with her is she. I don't. I think she knows old Mrs. Playing. I'll remind her when I walk in there in a second. <laughs> priorities in terms of the uh, viewing the college world series are different so i'm jealous in that aspect so i think i'll probably try to do something um look did you go in 14 no i did not go in 14 i was uh i was working doing summer work and there was i had something else where i couldn't go i was i was not yeah you got to get up there for at least a game because i'm that that, so here's the deal with me um if they were win I, I want to go but I'm not going to be disappointed if I don't like if I don't get a group of friends that want to go or whatever if my dad doesn't want to go I'm not because because I've been out there and I've seen it and it was awesome but it's something you at least want to experience one it is it is remarkably cool I think I'm going to have to do it and I don't know how or why or <laughs> when I got, a, I got a bachelor trip in Newport Beach like the week after Omaha so the uh my office wow. might be seeing me for some time we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll have to cross that bridge when we come to it. But, um, yeah, so we'll see how it goes, dude. It'll be a good weekend. Uh, we'll be back when the uh, 
I guess I'll leave the possibility open to some sort of emergency pod, but I doubt it. We'll be back when the series is over, and we'll uh, we'll catch up. Yeah, there. yeah, it's it's probably not going to happen. I mean, because what if they went on Saturday? I'm probably not going to be uh not be able to do one on Saturday night. So it uh it'll. Oh, well, I, I guess thinking, I was thinking uh, win loss scenario before the Monday. Yeah. But um, no, we'll probably yeah, we we'll do that over. So um, he is Colin Brister. We will catch you uh when we know the result. I appreciate the time, dude. Sounds good, my man. All right, that is our show. If you made it to the end, I really appreciate you guys making us a part of your day. Should be a fun, uh, fascinating weekend. Um, We will learn a lot. I can't wait to react to it. Colin and I will be back, I guess, at some point on Monday night. I don't know. We'll see how the series plays out. But you you guys know the drill this time of year. We'll be back when it is time to react. Uh, We'll have a newsletter preview and all of the, uh, I won't say same thing, but similar stuff. Uh, out on Friday. As many of you are listening to this, be sure to describe that rippyrights.substack.com. And uh, we'll be back on Monday. Appreciate you guys listening and reaching out with the feedback as always. We uh, will catch you after the weekend is over. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.